How many glasses of wine have you had? One and a half. Oh, that's not bad. Well, I can't have more than two or I can't work tomorrow. Fair. Let's cut that out. I don't really want the world to know. <laughs> okay. Ah. I, can't, I can't have more than six drinks or I can't work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're keeping all the same. <laughs> so weird. If I like black out, I usually can't work in the morning. I wonder if I blacked out, I'd be a better worker, probably. I'd be so efficient and wouldn't overthink anything. Because sometimes it takes me 30 minutes to send an email. Dude, right? (laughs) There's so many variables in email writing. My God, I know. I always know every time I'm like, oh, this is going to be a really simple, simple two-minute phone call, simple, like, response from an email. No, it always ends up, like, the email response is like, six paragraphs long they've cc'd my like 12 bosses of in like ahead of me in the hierarchy like everyone's confused i've got like the client breathing down my neck i'm like yo i just want to know if i can delete this thing oh my god yeah i was sending an email to my boss about something i ordered online i was only supposed to send a receipt right Mm -hmm. but i felt the need to explain what i was purchasing so I started explaining things and I was like, is that the right word? Let me research this. So I was researching this chemical and then 20 minutes later, the email was sent. <laughs> Please tell me you ended up just like deleting everything and just sending the receipt. Nope. I, I kept all the words in, but our boss was like, okay, thanks. And I was like, cool. Sends the thumbs up emoji. Yep, pretty much. Straight up dad. I mean, he's in the right here. Mine was unnecessary, but... That's fair. One of these days, it'll be necessary, though. It'll be helpful. It's okay. I I think I learned something. After 20 minutes of Googling the chemical? Yeah. Well, good. I'll probably forget it tomorrow, though. Um, So what what are we talking about today, Maddie? We're talking about two books... But our books have to be about a cult. That's exciting. So what, what book are you reading? Or did you uh, read? I read The Atlas Six by Olivier Blake. And I, I've heard about The Atlas Six. I didn't realize it, it had a cult in it. It's a secret society. All right. All right. So basically it, a cult. Oh, le- yes. Anything that says like secret society, fucking cult. <laughs> Yeah, if I'm not allowed to tell everything, it sounds like our jobs are cults then. It yes, sounds like a secret right? society. Right? But yeah, we work for cults. Isn't that exciting? I mean, aren't all companies cults? Oh my gosh, you're right. Eventually, Uh-oh. this podcast is going to become a cult. I hope so. Yeah. I want a cult following. That'd be kind of cute. I know, right? I want like our faces on like a mug. I think that's that's the definition of a cult, right? Yes, but I want it to be like our cartoon faces on a mug. Yeah, yeah, I don't want our like realistic faces. Yeah, because those are ugly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, cartoon faces, they'll like smooth out the edges and mm-hmm. like make us c- cute and relatable. Yeah, give me smaller cheeks, baby. Anyway, you're in my pimple right here. <laughs> there are no bad uh, skin days when you are a cartoon. When you're on a mug. When you're on That's a mug. part of a cult. But yeah. I read The Atlas Six, and it is actually the first book in a trilogy, but none of the other books are out yet. 
think the next one is coming in September, I want to say. I had no idea that that was a, a trilogy. Wow. And the next book is coming out that soon. That's yes, exciting. It is exciting. And this book was originally independently published by Olivier Blake, which that's her pen name, but her real name is Alexine Ferrall Fulmouth. That's a beautiful I, name. She's also very pretty. I kind of stalked her a little bit. She has a husband and a beautiful child. How old's the kid? I think, well, I want to say like a year and a half or two. Oh, that's He's a good age. very cute. Mm-hmm. She seems cool. Oh, good. I'm glad I'm glad we're supporting her then. Yes. So she was self-published, but then she sold her book to Tor, which, you know, if you don't know Tor, then do you even read fantasy books? Do you even read? Do you books, even period? read? Right? Oh, so imagine so- if a non-reader stumbled across this podcast. <laughs> this is the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> so Tor published the book. And then it kind of became a viral sensation. And then everyone started kind of reading it. So that's kind of the, the story behind that. Mm-hmm. In that social media world, it kind of blew up. You know, that, that thing called TikTok and Instagram. And BookTube. Oh, and BookTube. See, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not well-versed in BookTube. I'm well-versed in the Instagram world. Aaron's got the YouTube world and nobody has the TikTok world. And hopefully no one will have the TikTok world. This is how, this is why we're not in Gen Z. <laughs> we're staying, we're making a case here. Fair. Mm-hmm. We do not have TikTok. We are not Gen Z. The end. Yeah. First of all, I really love the cover. It's very like sophisticated. I will say my library called it teen fiction, which I wholly disagree with. It's written right here on the label. It says teen fiction. I'm kind of mad about teen it. Fiction. Really? Wow. I... This is a revelation for myself then. And no one else. Why do you say it's not teen fiction? All the characters are above the age of 22. Oh. And there is some intense, you know, little sexy, sexy stuff in there. Clearly hadn't heard enough about this book then. I take back what I said. Yeah, I feel like people just kind of assumed it was teen fiction. Maybe I'm wrong, but I fully think it's adult. Adult's more fun to read anyway, as an adult. It's either adult or like that really small void of young adult. That is not really young adult. Yeah, but like, like the twenty-one ranges. plus, the twenty-one plus. Uh, oh, I think that's that's called new adult. Maybe new. It's new adult then. I'd agree with that. But it's the youngest characters, and they distinctly call them the youngest characters. I think they're naive. Mm. Have just graduated college, so they are twenty-two oh. at least. So there's no one younger than that in the entirety of the book. Can you okay? Can you go into a synopsis? Because I was like under the assumption that it was like a secret society in college and if the youngest person nope. just graduated then I'm I'm wrong I need to yeah you're while it does have ninth house vibes you're mostly thinking of ninth house yes um, yes okay so there's six individuals and they're recruited to be members of the Alexandrian society and that's a secret society for magical academics with various abilities And if you secure your membership in the society, you're basically guaranteed a lifetime of wealth and power. And so this guy named Atlas Blakely, he is the caretaker of the mansion where the society resides and calls itself its headquarters. And that's near London. And then every decade, they recruit six individuals. But of those six, only five make it. But the six recruits have one year to prove themselves and to be accepted into the society. And during that year, they live on the grounds and have access to the society's archives. 
and they can request information on countless magical and philosophical subjects. Okay. So you meet six recruits and this book is about these six individuals. So who dies? I never said anybody was going to die. Jesus Christ. I thought you said only five survive or like five can make it. Yeah, one person gets eliminated. That doesn't mean they die. Sounds like death. I Maybe I'm just reading too many death books right now. <laughs> My bad. I'm making assumptions about this book. So there are six recruits and they each have their own chapters. So you get to read about each of their perspectives, which was really interesting. So there's Libby Rhodes and Nico DeVerano. They're both from America and they've been in school together at the New York University of Magical Arts, which is called NYUMA. So these are our youngest recruits and they had just recently graduated. They are severe, intense rivals. They despise each other, but you know. Sounds like they're going to bang. Do they actually despise each other or do they, fe- do they feel each other and they kind of like vibe off of that? That's what I think is happening. Mm-hmm. So they both possess the power of physicality and so they can control physical elements. So they can move stuff, open doors, um, alter matter. It's I got very- a question. Yes. Does this book take place in a world where magic is just accepted or is this like hidden magic it's accepted okay and there's only a select few who possess the abilities and there's varying degrees of what those magical abilities are and how strong the individual who possesses them is okay cool so they they are both like top of their class because the society the alexandrian society is only recruiting the best of the best so they both possess the same power which is kind of weird libby has intense anxiety and feels like she has to constantly prove herself. And I really resonated with her. <laughs> there are quotes in this book that I will read later that I have felt every day of my life. Oh my God. Yep. <sighs> I would not expect, I don't know, a book to hit that hard. Or I wasn't expecting oh, this it did book hit. to hit that hard. It hit. I wrote extremely type A person. <laughs> she came from like a modest family. And she is the only one in her family who had the magical ability. Not only is she like a female, but she's also doesn't come from extravagant means. So she has this need to kind of prove herself. And so that's kind of her backstory and and why she is the way she is. Nico, who is her counterpart, Mm -hmm. is arrogant and witty and everyone likes him and people are drawn to him. I was thinking about this. If so, if I'm Libby, because she has very similar personality to me, I was like, if I was Libby, he would be my absolute worst nightmare. The fucking people pleaser, like everyone likes you. You're extroverted. You'd pee in a cereal. I'd pee in a cereal. This bitch. (laughs) All right, so we have Raina Mori. She's from Japan. So all the recruits are from different places in the world, which is fun. That is fun. She's a naturalist. So she can feel and hear all living things. So the plants are speaking to her. Oh my God, that's so cool. And they call her mother. Oh my God. Oh my God. I love her. I just Uh, want her to come talk to my garden and tell me what to do wrong. Right. She can channel the energy of plants and pass it through people with the physicality magic. So she can help empower both Nico and Libby. And they describe it because this is a very like magical academic book. 
It's very philosophical at points, and I'll get into that a bit later. But they described her ability as similar to how photosynthesis powers life. And so she can channel this power to other people. That's super cool. So she's quiet. She observes everyone. And I think she gets discounted during the book a lot. I, as I was like looking at things and kind of taking notes, I was almost discounting her as well. And I was like, oh, that's like the point. But she's very content. One quote from her, it says, between working, sparring with Nico and reading for pleasure, there wasn't much time to concern herself with the irrelevant or unimportant. She was quite content, really, though she had the vague sense that the others around her weren't. Basically, she's you, Aaron. <laughs> I was going to say, I kind of resonate with her. <laughs> uh-huh. I know. I was, I was looking back on this and I was like, I'm Libby. Aaron's Reyna. Wow. We're making our, our whole friend group. Well, not so much, but... Well, I'm making part of our podcast. Yep. So that's three recruits. Parissa Kamali, she is a telepath who can traverse people's consciousness. Hmm. So she's reading your inner thoughts, your inner desires, all that fun stuff. She's beautiful, like gorgeous. She is a badass. She's also a little bit of a bitch. She uses sex and orgasms to get the information she needs from people's minds. Oh, hell yeah. When you're like thinking about something that you shouldn't be thinking about, she kind of coerces people getting into that point so that she can, you know, read what their true feelings and emotions are. She could kind of breach those walls using her sexuality. Do they have to be thinking about something for her to like gain information on it? Or like, can she go searching through their mind? She can go searching through their mind. Oh, okay. This makes a lot more sense. Okay. I probably should have prefaced that. Like you can build up defenses so that she doesn't, you know, like come into your head. Mm -hmm. But in that moment of climax, those defenses and those walls are brought down and she can. Okay. Yes. I was picturing more of a mind reader rather than like a mind searcher. Yeah, I guess the idea, she can traverse your consciousness. So okay. she can, like, seek out different things. All right, all right. That you makes don't more have sense. To, yeah, you don't have to be thinking about it specifically in the moment. So, yeah, she's, she's pretty fucking cool. You either love her or you hate her. That's her vibe. All right, next person, Callum Noba. He's from South Africa. He's an empath, and he can manipulate people's emotions and their minds to make them do things. That's cool. Everyone's magic seems to be very mental-based. Or just no one's is like, I'm going to lift a thousand-pound boulder type thing, you know, turn invisible. That's the physicality. Nico and Libby are the only two that possess more physical, magical abilities. They can move things. They can alter matter. Yes, yes, you mentioned that. Okay. Yeah, and I guess Reina's is a little more difficult to kind of put your head on because it's kind of mental and kind of physical. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, she's taking in all the plant's feelings, but she can accumulate them into something more physical in terms okay. of, like, power. I gotcha. I'm reading you. Yeah, but Callum, he he's, like, the only blonde one. <laughs> I don't know why that matters, but in my head it matters. It's, like, <laughs> okay. blonde, blue eyes. And he's very privileged. His family owns a magical media, like, conglomerate, and it operates... It's based off of illusions. So a big part of this like world is the fact that people use magic as an illusion. One illusion would be like my nose. Like if I wanted to change my nose, I would use an illusion. Okay. 
And so people would see something differently than what it really is. Without the, the surgery aspect. That's exactly. Nice. Or the exactly. permanence, I'm guessing. Yep. So like a pimple, if you wanted to like cover it, you could use like magical illusion. All right. Very cool. So that's what his family does. And he's kind of an asshole. A lot of people don't like him. He has only agreed to be recruited by the society because he thinks it's interesting at the moment. So if something more exciting were to come along down the road, he would move on to that. Ah, yes. The rich, privileged boy. He is the rich, privileged boy. But he's also very smart, very cunning. Um, he also forms a bond with the next person I'll be discussing named Tristan Kane. Before that, I'll give a quote about him. He said, Callum, it was more an issue of entertainment. And since Callum wasn't entertained by books and research, he would have to find stimulation in a person. And that person is Tristan. All right. So we have Tristan Kane. He's from London. He can see through illusions to reality. This is a very rare ability and an untapped ability. No one really knows what it is and no one can really see the usefulness of it. Okay. Like, yes, you can see through these illusions, but. Wow, your pimple's hot. Yeah, right? <laughs> what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, what's the point? Before he was recruited, he worked for a guy named James Wessick, who was a billionaire investor. And Tristan is also engaged to this guy's daughter. Like, they're super wealthy, and Tristan is probably going to inherit this company. He has severe daddy issues. <laughs> we love that. We love a guy with daddy issues. We love a guy with daddy issues. Yeah. His father is Adrian Kane, who is a magical mob boss. But he said Tristan's abilities were basically useless. That'll create some daddy issues. Quote from him was, there was a constant sensation for Tristan that if things seemed to be going well, he was in the process of being mightily tripped which was why the possibility that he could do more with his magic than he had ever been aware of before joining society was so stupendously upsetting. He's got some self-confidence issues. Yeah. Yikes. Parents, be nicer to your kids. Right? Fuck you, Adrian Kane. Fuck you, Adrian Kane. But yeah, so we had Atlas Blakely, who was the caretaker. There's also an individual named Dalton Ellery, who was one of the former recruits and he still works there like after his whole initiation into the society and he is giving them lectures and kind of guiding them on both academic philosophical magical things in general mm -hmm. one of the things with the society is the people at the location where the headquarters is they have to protect the archives which those are all the all the information on like everything in the world. This is what like Reina specifically wanted to be in society so she could have access to this, to these archives. And a lot of these people want archives for different personal reasons. And so they need to protect them as part of their initiation. They had to use their magical abilities to find a way to cast like different wards against outsiders from breaking into the society. Like, probably first third of the book, you get to see them all in action after just meeting each other, combining their magical abilities to defend this house from invaders, which was really cool. Yeah. Is this book more action plot driven or character driven or what? what's... <sighs> yeah, so I'll get into that. So I started this book, right? Mm -hmm. 
I read like 40 pages. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Okay. Like these characters are insane. Okay. So you have like an initial action plot, but then there gets to a point of the book where like it is like the genre is like urban fantasy, dark academia, and they're just kind of sitting around with their whiskey philosophizing. Yes. Okay. So it was a lot in that sense. But That's... all of the topics they're discussing are very interesting. Okay. They're talking about like time and space and how we could theoretically time travel and all these very interesting philosophical topics that they're putting a magical spin on and how they could become a reality. I'm so glad these characters aren't in high school or even in college. Because I, like when I do read the book, I would be pissed if they were so young and like having those conversations because I feel like authors like do that a lot. Did they still feel young? No, not at all. Not at any point during my reading did I think it was like a young adult book. I thought all of their conversations were very valid. Do you think it read old then? Like, do you think? I think it read the age that they said the characters were. Okay. From 23 to probably 30. Oh, who was 30? I mean, I don't know, but like, that's the vibe. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I can get behind that. Yeah. Cause those are very cool conversations. And I think, um, you and I, and like our friend group, like we've had conversations along those lines, you know, I don't think we've had like formal conversations over whiskey where it's centered on like those deep philosophical questions regarding like time and space and whatnot, but (laughs) I (laughs) yeah I don't think so but 17 year old me was not having those conversations so part of it there was an aspect where I was like yo yeah this is quantum physics oh my gosh my girl Olivia did her research my goodness yeah like I thought it was very cool but during that it was like okay what's what's happening here (laughs) it's like are are we gonna have some action like what's the and there was like a general plot because the plot of the book is you know who's gonna survive the year and make it but for a bit, it was... There's okay. no urgency to that, though. Yeah. I think that was a, reflected a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. It was one of those books where, like, the last 50 pages have a lot of plot, and the first 100 have a lot going on, but that middle bit was a, a little different. Mm. I'm usually not a huge fan of that. Yes, I'd agree, but these characters were so fucking good that I just... Did matter? Yes. Because when I started the book, I was like, this has a potential for me after page like 60. This could be a five star. And then it like it did deteriorate. Mm -hmm. But the characters were just so dynamic. Their diverse backgrounds, race, ethnicity. You learn about the good, the bad, the sexy with all of the individuals. Mm -hmm. They have their own personalities, their own moral compasses, their own reasons for being there. They have insecurities, passions. Dang. That that's very cool. That's that's a lot of a lot of work for an author to put in. Um, yes. I'm in love with them. I was even I saw somebody's review and they were like, this book is kind of one giant orgy of the characters. Uh can you touch on if there's romance in this book? There definitely is. There's okay. a three there's a threesome at one point. All right. Teen fiction, huh? 
teen fiction <laughs> it was like well written too the orgy no they didn't have an orgy they had a threesome oh i'm sorry yeah the, the threesome was well, well written yeah oh good like all the romance aspects were very well written where i like i said not a teen fiction all right go yell at your libraries guys go move the this atlas is- six of yes. your own free will to the adult section. We are striking back against misaging this book. That's funny. Parents, look into it. If you don't want your kid reading a, a threesome. They don't like go into like graphic detail or anything, but. Oh, well, then I'm not reading it. You, y'all didn't see this, but Maddie just slammed the last of her wine. <laughs> We're about to get some good content. Um. It takes a a very talented author to write a very casual, innocuous scene, like an everyday thing, and then make it real hot. That's beautiful. Sometimes that's even, a lot of time, that's even better than like like a proper sex scene. I agree. Yeah. Less is more. Yeah. So I think this author really exemplified that in a lot of the romance and intimate scenes between the individuals. And I will add that there was this book is lgbtq friendly Woo! yay that's exciting we like yeah. to hear it i feel yeah. like that's becoming an expectation in today's day and age as it as i, I feel agree. like it should be it should be yeah i also want to talk about at least this edition of the book so the book is split into different parts and each part has an image of each character which i oh. thought was super cool Oh my gosh. Okay. So each of those images is based off a famous piece of art. So I would recommend all the listeners to Google Atlas six character images and their famous art counterparts. There's a tweet where you get to see them side by side. That's exciting. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. I don't think I've ever heard of that kind of thing with a, with a book. I'm starting to see why, because um, I never like fully looked into this book and like, um, I guess I wasn't understanding because to me, I was just like, okay, this just seems like every other like new adult secret society magic book. Like, I don't really get the hype, but like just hearing you talk about it has like, it seems like there's a lot of like really unique elements and like, I'm, st- I'm starting to understand uh, why why there's a, a hype around it. And like, I'm like, I want to I wanna read it now and like, see if I hop on the same bandwagon as you and the rest of the social media crew. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what you think about it. Yeah, I, very similar vibes to Ninth House. Did you read Ninth House? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think Ninth House had a bit more action, but there were less characters. Okay. So, and I think, end of the day, I think I rated both of them the same, and I liked them for different reasons. Because also Ninth House is my favorite Lee Bardugo book, because mm-hmm. I don't really love the rest of hers. Hot take. Hot take. Yeah, wait, would you, would you rate... The Atlas Six and what's what's Goodreads ratings and how many? Let's get some numbers here. So Goodreads ratings was three point nine three stars, which is that pretty low. Low. That mm-hmm. seems low for how much hype it's getting. Low for a hyped book mm-hmm. with forty six thousand 
39 ratings. Okay. I rated a four. From the way you're talking, you're talking about it like a four. Yes. I, it had the potential to be a five. It did. But that middle, the middle but part. The, but the middle of the book brought it down for me. That's unfortunate. Because I, I think I was even feeling like a three, five at one point. Mm-hmm. But the ending brought it back up to a four. Okay. But yeah, I also saw like when I was researching things that I don't know if you've read the Umbrella Academy, but those vibes as well. Read or watched? Watched. Oh, I watched the first episode. Oh my God, me too. (laughs) And then I never watched it anymore. Yep, yep. (laughs) Uh, Oh God, 40 minute episodes are so long for me. My attention just- 40 minutes is too long for you? Yeah. Have Have you watched Game of Thrones? Have you watched Stranger Things? Have you watched The Handmaid's Tale? No, to all three. Okay, okay. I am not a movie person. I am not a long TV show person. I am a, I'm a 23-minute sitcom. You can pay attention or not, and you'll get the same like amount of enjoyment out of the show. I'm that kind of person. I do feel that. I've had to kind of retrain myself to watch movies. I want to blame COVID for that. Yeah. I... I get stressed out when I have to sit in front of a television for two hours. Just because yes. you're like not productive. I can't sit still for that long. Yes. And I, I do also feel unproductive. It could be the most interesting movie in the war in the world and I'm just bored. And it sucks because like my partner's really big into movies and te- like longer TV shows. So he's like, because like I like listen to like the premise or like the trailer of like a like a show or movie or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that sounds really good. And then I actually like start watching it and I'm like 30 minutes in and I'm just like, oh my gosh, when is this thing done? When is it over? And yet we sit down and read 900 page books. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Super different for some reason. I I have no idea why. Any any final words? Any final quotes or... Oh, I I did want to read a couple of Libby's quotes just because I feel like she fully exemplifies who I I am as a human being. Yes. And it makes me a little sad inside, though, so I might start crying. Just kidding. I don't do that. Yeah, no one here cries ever. Emotions aren't a thing. Okay, so this is Nico speaking. So he says it's in the third person, not the first person, but... Mm -hmm. He disliked the anxiety of listlessness, which was as constant to him as Libby's unrelenting undercurrent of fear. Fear of what? Failure, probably. She was a sort of perfectionist who was so desperately frightened of being any degree of inadequate that, on occasion, the effort of trying it all was enough to paralyze her with doubt. Nico, meanwhile, never considered failure an option, and whether that was ultimately to his determinant, at least it did not restrain him. It's a lot of things to unpack there. Yeah. Those are some those are some fleshed out characters. Yeah. So if that gives you any idea of what is going on in this book in terms of character development, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that resonates with me. I fear mm-hmm. failing. Meet our meet my co-host, Maddie. <laughs> All right, another Libby quote that hit home. Mm-hmm. Either you're complete or you're not. Stop looking. It's right fucking there, he informed her, snatching impatiently at her hand and half throwing it back into her chest. She glared at him and pulled out of his reach, vandalized. 
Either it's enough for you or nothing ever will be. What is this, a lecture? You're a fire hazard, Rhodes, he said. So stop apologizing for the damage and just let the fucker burn. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a powerful one. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yes. I'm very intrigued to read this now. It skipped part of my line to get up to the top. All right. Do you want to give a final, who do you recommend this for? Who's going to like it? I will generally say if you're between the ages of 20 and 30, like these characters, this book is probably perfect for you because it really touches on a lot of like insecurities that people our age have. Watch you hate it. And then I would just be eating my uh, words. I can't wait. We're going to have a follow up to this episode where I'm just like, Maddie, you're wrong. (laughs) I also wonder if their images being in the book played a role in like how I felt connected to the characters. You, you're, you're hit pretty hard by, like, visual stuff in books, like yes. maps and pictures and stuff, where I'm just, like, I skim it, or I just, like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm, like. But, yeah, read this book. Support Olivier Blake. Cannot wait for book two in September. And I was talking to my partner, and I was, like, I'm going to be really tempted to buy it, like, immediately. Pre-order it. But that'll be, like, hardcover, so. Yeah, that's, like, $30, but. Pre-order yes. it. Helps the, it helps the author a lot. Yes. I can't wait to read it in the next couple of months. You've pushed it up my TBR. Can't wait. Cool. Yeah. All right, Erin, what was your book for the topic? The Cult. Yes. Um, so for this week, I read Truth Be Told by Kathleen Barber. It was originally t- titled under Are You Sleeping? I saw that. I was like, what? I know. I got very confused because I'm actually reading this book for like an in-person like book club. And oh, I was wondering. I was like, this doesn't sound like an Aaron book. When I was yeah. like, looking at the synopsis, I was like, what made you want to read this? I mean, <laughs> I will say though, it's not like completely out of the realm of what I read because it's a it's a psychological thriller. Mm, and we I love that. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I read... I read thrillers uh, semi-regularly. It's just lately I've been more in the mood for like fantasy or like standalones or like standalone fantasy, like that kind of thing. Um, Or even YA contemporary romance or not romance, but YA contemporary type thing. So this was off the beaten track for me in the last couple months. What? Not romance. I haven't been into romance lately. It's interesting. Um, Anyway, so what this book is about, this story follows a woman named Josie Berman. So 13 years before this book takes place, her father was murdered, her mother ran away to join a cult, and her sister betrayed her. And since then, she has spent the past like 10 to 13 years either like traveling the globe, backpacking through Europe before finally like settling down with her now fiance Caleb that she met while traveling Europe and they've settled down. Yeah, right? She's She's, living the life. She is living the life. She had a traumatic experience. She was like, I'm gonna go see the world. Yeah, exactly. Her, yeah, her way of dealing with it was running away. Yeah. Starting a new life and finding a fiance and like settling down in New York. 
But the issue is, as part of starting this new life, she has lied to Caleb about like every inch of her past, including her last name. And so since everything's a lie, her life starts to unravel when this investigative reporter named Poppy Parnell starts a podcast that re-examines her father's murder case. So is it an investigator, like a legal investigator who actually has a job? She has a side podcast? No, she she's an investigative reporter who... Oh, a reporter. Okay. Yes, yes, yeah. She's a journalist that's paid... Uh, she, like, gets her salary from this company that publishes this podcast for, like, views. And so her job is... She's, like, working on this podcast and she's re-looking into Josie's father's murder case. <laughs> and so she's, like, digging up the past and, like, the whole point of it... The podcast is called Reconsidered. So think, like... Oh, okay. Think Serial, where, like, the podcast about, like, Adnan Syed or uh, The Making a Murderer Netflix documentary type thing where they're like this person's innocent and like here's why and like that kind of thing and this like obviously turns our life upside down because you know 13 years of a happy life is turned upside down when they're saying like there's a man in prison for her father's murder and her sister basically put her there because the prosecution's only like real evidence was Josie's twin sister Lainey's witness testimony saying that she saw who did it and so Josie's forced to come home when right after this podcast kind of launches her mother who has been in a cult this whole time is um, this the cult aspect Yes, yes. Okay. So after her father was murdered, her mother ran away to join a cult. And once this podcast was released, her mother ends up killing herself. And so the main character is forced to go back to the hometown that she hasn't been to in 13 years in order to go to her mom's funeral. Sounds like a Hallmark movie. Coming back to your hometown. Oh my God, you're right. Yes, it is a Hallmark movie. It's a Hallmark movie in a book. That's a phenomenal way of putting it. Oh God, I don't know if I like that. It's, there's a, yeah, there's a lot happening in this book. But yeah, so now she's back in her hometown. And as these podcast episodes are being released, she's trying to confront what she thinks is the truth and trying to figure out what is a lie and like, what is the truth? And her whole life is unraveling because these new facts are coming forward due to this podcast. And she's starting to, you know, question her like estranged sister and her fiance doesn't know about like anything to do with her past. The primary focus of this book is a family drama. I actually think it's interesting because this the prompt for this week was, you know, focus on a cult book. Yeah. When that was probably like the least prominent part of this book. <laughs> and or, you like, picked the topic. That's funny. I did pick the topic. Well, like the whole book calls this organization the protagonist mom is in a cult, but we are never inside of the cult. Once her mom dies, there is no back and forth on like sending the body to the police or sending the body to the family or sending the like personal possessions to the body. Like, yeah, there are some parts that like we've heard that like are, you know, extremely iffy, like the mom's communication with the outside world was regulated heavily while she was in the cult. Okay, But it also had no standing on the storyline whatsoever like it's not like our main character was trying to contact her mom and it's not like it was preventing information from coming forward within the podcast that's fair i feel like to go back on like 
the cult topic, the fact that we were at the beginning of this podcast talking about how companies are a cult, there's really a <laughs> wide spectrum of what a cult is. There's like cult inspired activities. Mm-hmm. There are like the major cults, like the Masonics and like Jim know, Jones type cult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think it's a spectrum. Yeah, I agree with that. It's just very interesting because the book, the fact that the book labeled it as a cult and then I didn't really see much follow-up evidence of the cult-like behavior or the fact that they... The book really used the cult aspect as just a plot device for why the mom disappeared or maybe for the sensational aspect of it rather than really examining the specific aspects of the cult or like damage to the psyche or how it affects outside family members like I didn't really get any of the depth that I really wanted when like mentioning a cult if you're gonna have a cult in the book I want to hear about the cult yeah Erin wanted the intricacies of the day-to-day cult life so she could study and figure out how she can be the prime member of the cult yes I am trying to start a cult right now with this very podcast and if this book is not telling me the step-by-step how-to of how to go about doing that I don't see the point of reading the book yeah so that was a little disappointing but it was still part of the it's still like an interesting part of the book I will say this book was very besides that little bit of a letdown what was really interesting about the book was that there was like mixed media parts of it so they had excerpts or even like the full like transcript from the podcast themselves within the book love that yeah so I got to hear all the episodes and like every time an episode was released our protagonist kind of went into like a tailspin or it just really affected her obviously because every episode that the investigative journalist kind of releases is basically like your sister is lying about who killed your father? And so it really like yeah, that's very cool. This. I like mixed media elements. I feel like there's only two books I've read that have had that in it. It's the one by John Mars, which you also read, mm-hmm. and then one to watch. So I think it really adds a, a good element, especially to like today's fiction books. Yeah, and the fact that I I read this a hundred percent using an audiobook was yeah. So it was yes, I would highly had different and, voices for. Um, it's yeah, it still used. Um, it was only one narrator the whole time, but she did a really good job of distinguishing or just changing her voice a little bit to a more to a voice you would expect from from a podcast narrator, like a professional podcast narrator. So that was really, that was really fun. Oh, like us. <laughs> yeah. True professionals, true yes, professionals. Us. We could narrate this part perfectly. I will say though, that the podcast wasn't the only mixed media elements. It also had some tweets from people commenting, like the pu- the general public commenting about the different aspects of the podcast, as well as the fact of like, oh, I was there back in the day. And I remember like this part of the case from when I was in the town, but it didn't get brought up at trial or like different things of like, so the podcast is being released at the same time as the mother's funeral. And so you're hearing people People talk about the podcast as well as the funeral and being like, this was really sus from the main character. Oh God. Seems a little insensitive. Oh my, oh my gosh. We'll get there. We'll get there. I was, yeah, livid. But like, just the, to wrap up the, the mixed media portion. So like, I really enjoyed hearing the podcast from the mixed media perspective through the audiobook, but the tweets from the from the audiobook was so annoying because, what is it called? The handles? Like, yes, everyone's at- like, yeah, the everyone's name was read out in detail. <laughs> at Aaron- 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, five, nine, ten, eleven said. Yes, that's exactly what it was like. And it was like four of those handles at a time, like talking to each other. And so it would be like the whole handle and then talk and then another handle and then the reply. And like that got real old really quickly because, you know, in a book you can skim. You don't read that part, but in the audio yeah. they make you listen to it. I was, <laughs> I was so over it. I was like... <laughs> See, I don't even like when they say chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's too long. We don't even need chapter breaks. Yep. Oh my gosh. But yeah, to like go back to like the invasion of privacy happening. <laughs> you just look terrifying when you said that. <laughs> the invasion. It, it looked like you were invading my privacy. <laughs> I would love to invade your privacy. But Poppy Parnell. The Ew, in- I hate that name. I know. Not a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan of the name. Not a fan of the woman. I think as an investigative reporter, she was so unprofessional. She was the villain of the story. I don't care who killed the dad. Poppy Parnell was the villain. Fair. She was the tradition, the the stereotypical reporter going after their story for any mm. reason. And I thought some of the things she was doing was so inappropriate, considering the fact that this family is grieving. <sighs> She was so invasive, so inappropriate. Some of her tactics, I was like, I was like, I I was driving the entire way I was listening to this book and I'm just gripping my steering wheel, (laughs) screaming in my car to myself about just how horrible she is. I was like, this is illegal. You cannot do that. What'd she do? There was like one point where like Poppy Parnell showed up on the doorstep of our main character with a camera in her face. And like the main character opens the door. Yes. Opens the door and she's like, I don't want to talk to you. And she like, she like starts to shut the door and the Poppy Parnell sticks her foot in the door and like doesn't let her shut it. And she's just like, no, you, we're going to talk. Won't let her like leave. And she keeps saying, she keeps like riling our main character with not to make her angry, but to make her like, you need to hear this really upsetting detail about your family and like the fact that a detail about either your father's murder or your your mother's suicide and like she's sticking her foot in the door with a camera in her face trying to get like the scoop and I was just so infuriated so I'm like yes it is important to like investigate crimes that you think someone is in jail for the wrong reason but you don't need to show up on the victim's doorstep or not like the victim but like the victim of the yeah she is a victim yes her mother just died like it's not even like a week or two past the like the mother's funeral and like oh my god poppy parnell showed up at the funeral oh my god oh i my was god. that's so cringe that it was i would so... actually knock like a star off for that bullshit like i feel like that's so unrealistic i i was like it was so interesting because i was like i really hope that any journalist who would do this would just lose their job because like there yeah. is no integrity in just being a human being and it was so interesting because i was like reading reviews later and they were like the only realistic thing about this book was how the journalist was acting and i was like bullshit <gasps> I was like, I really hope not because this is like, it makes me lose a lot of faith in humanity. There's no, no one would ever do that. That is, it was, I'm sure someone would, but like, oh my gosh, it was infuriating. It was so inappropriate. It was so unprofessional. Oh my goodness. I couldn't stand her. No, that's, that's like too much. Yeah. I, and and the way that happens in books for me where it's, it usually is in a romance book. Mm-hmm. Just like somebody's way too over the top that I don't know it like makes me lose my integrity in the book 
Yeah. I'm like, eh. Yeah. I mean, maybe not. I mean, I don't know the whole book, but from what I'm hearing about that, I'm annoyed. I will. Yes. I will say like, that she was the stereotype. She was the caricature of the like, like inappropriate bulldog journalist. Yeah. I think it's only like reason it didn't like knock off a star for me was the fact that like she didn't show up on every page. Okay. So there was enough time between we were finding out different things in the meantime from when she would show up that if I would have seen her like all the time throughout the book, I would have been so annoyed by her and I probably would have just set it down. Okay. But yeah, it was, it was regularly, but like just a handful. Okay. That's not too bad. I guess it's like, like hard hearing it as someone who hasn't read the book yet yeah like hearing your strong opinions on it I could not handle that for the entirety of the book yeah couldn't stand her every every book needs a villain and she was definitely it and kind of oh my god I know Poppy Parnell I hate that name I know and it was so like infuriating too because like in the like snippets from the podcast she'd be like I would never do anything to besmirch the victim's name or like disturb them in their time of grieving or like blah 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 and I'm just like sitting there screaming in my car be like you just did you just did like we could see you like trespassing pretty much and like you're telling your whole ass audience that like you're upholding a lot of ethics I'm like girl you're not you're not but yeah anyway like going off of that I do think that what is accurate about that kind of like podcast situation was how social media and the public kind of reacted to the podcast and how it reacted to different events that were coming forward because like so many like a lot of the public was being like this person is lying or this person is lying or like I believe this happened or just people being like I was there back the day and I saw this and this but like it's not substantiated but then you did also have people being like this podcast is so invasive of privacy and we should just leave them alone during like time of grieving you know it showed some complexity from the general public in response to the podcast and like response to the events as they were like coming to light okay so yeah I guess the tweets were how we got that information and so the tweets were accurate they were just you know annoying to listen to or I thought they were very interesting but annoying to listen to um yeah a big part of this book also was Josie's relationship with her sister Um, right the one the estranged sister what was her name Lainey Lainey Josie and Lainey yes so they were, you know, they, they were the stereotypical super close twins before their father's death. And then once Lainey saw the murder and like testified and put someone behind bars, they had different reactions in their like grieving process. So Josie had a much healthier way of coping. Just like right she seemed like from everything. Well, that was after like, because the murder happened when they were like 15. Oh, ew. That's yeah. hard. Yeah, they seemed younger, actually. But yeah, I think it was about they were about 15 when that happened. So they still had like a couple years left of high school. And they went to like live with their aunt. And like Josie was a really good kid to her aunt. And she cared about her a lot. Whereas like her sister fell off the wagon. Mm. And she got really into like drugs and drinking and fell in with the wrong crowd. You gotta cope. Not like that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, it, yeah, it was very like I don't know. I just I really liked how there was two very different like grieving processes shown in the book, and it was like addressed as some like 
the the public was like well Lainey can't be trusted because of all these like drugs and stuff she did in the bad crowd and then like the public would also be like well that happened after her death after her father's death and she's grieving like <laughs> she can yeah I feel like that's a little yeah it was a it was a interesting yeah i feel like those people shouldn't be saying what's what yeah yeah i mean there are some people make dumb comments on the internet that (laughs) is also very true yeah the internet is full of highly opinionated people dowling dueling out their opinions on things that they've never experienced yes exactly so i kind of showed that but yeah lady fell off the wagon josie was kind of trying to take care of her type thing and then Lainey betrayed Josie. I think saying what the trail is is kind of a spoiler. Okay. And this kind of caused Josie to, you know, run away to Europe and not talk to her family along with like everything else. But it also caused her to like harbor resentment for like a decent amount of time, even when she came back. And I will say her reaction didn't seem to line up with the level of the betrayal. She seemed to have overreacted just a little bit. Yeah. I feel like once you bool off to Europe and you come back, you usually have a fresh set of eyes. Right? And I'm just like, okay, you've had like 10 years of separation. Like you've been to Europe for five years. You have a happy new family or like you have a happy life. You have a fiance, like you've kind of moved on and the her the betrayal doesn't really like affect her today life so i'm just like why are you still like hating on your sister but the sister does definitely still have like ptsd that she's like working towards and like the fact that the podcast is like calling her a liar and the That's everyone in the media is like ripping her to shreds yeah because i feel like i haven't read this but she probably thought she saw things that she didn't see during the time of her father's murder and that's what happened but i don't know yeah yeah i mean you you go back and forth you hear you know our main character kind of questions it and like you hear other sides of the the story but you're like who could it really be is is she lying does she just misremember it is she like 100 percent accurate and this podcast is just digging up dirt or like digging up nothing and just upending their lives for no reason so you kind of yeah you you dig into all aspects of that but whether or not uh, Lainey was right or wrong or lying or truthful or mistaken or 100% right. Like she's definitely going through a lot with the podcast coming up and like seeing her father's murder and now her mother died and like her strange sister is back in town. So like you're kind of going back and forth here. But, yeah, the, the family drama was definitely like a very, very big part of it. It was, it was interesting. I think it was a, a decently accurate portrayal of if if this were to ever if this hallmark movie-esque plot line were to ever happen in real life i think it was semi-accurate okay that makes sense yeah yeah but like again it's just so hard yeah they seem like they're all dealing with very real life problems but it's in a circumstance that most of us can never even imagine having to deal with Correct. Yeah. I think one of the things that like Kathleen Barber, the author did really well is I think a lot of the time in like mysteries, when you're trying to like solve a mystery, authors will like ignore an aspect of the novel for convenience and then make it like a reveal later on or they won't like address it. Whereas I think Kathleen Barber addressed all aspects of the case and she really gave a very like broad picture of the plot as well as the character's in general and I thought that was really well done which is really cool because this is Kathleen Barber's debut novel oh really yeah yeah I think it was I think she did a really good job when Um, was it published 
Also, you didn't do like ratings or anything. Okay, let me get let me get in the stats quick. When was it published? Let me see. It was published in 2017. Oh, that's fairly recent. Yeah, yeah, it was fairly recently. She's um, come up with another book since then. I can't tell you what it's called. I'm not sure. But this book is also being made into an Apple TV Plus I uh, saw that TV series yeah um, it's starring Octavia Spencer and Aaron mm-hmm. Paul that sounds like a stellar cast like Octavia Spencer and Aaron Paul that's insane I know yeah I I wish you know Apple TV is like the one streaming network that I don't have access to so I can't really watch it uh, but I think it'd be a pretty interesting TV series Whoever has it on Apple Plus TV, go read the book and then watch a show. Stellar cast. I'm really excited. Goodreads, the rating is a 3.64. That's pretty low. It is kind of low. It has 14,600 ratings. So I gave it a three. That's probably what I would have given it. From how I'm talking read it. about it. Yep, yeah. yep. Yes, I I would give it a three. If I was in a bad mood, I'd give it a two. Or two and a half um just because it's so it's so forgettable gotcha and i just for sure lies between a two and a three i would not do three and a half or four that's good to know yeah, yeah based off what you said i i gotta say i'm not that intrigued <laughs> yeah I i'm not like like i think all the points that you've brought up were very interesting but i don't feel the need to read the book but i kind of got that vibe off of when i like looked at it so that i'd be prepared for what you had read this week I was like huh no I'm good yeah yeah I mean I never I probably wouldn't have read this book on my own if not for book club yeah I mean I would I would recommend this book to people who like are obsessed with making a murderer or um the serial podcast if you really love the true crime specifically the niche of considering whether or not like someone in jail is guilty or innocent or guilty I think you'd get a lot of you'd get a lot from this book I think that's a really definitely the most like interesting part of the book I don't know I don't really have (laughs) that that's my recommendation if that interests you go read it otherwise I think there are other books out there all right good to know yeah cool um so that was our cult episode wow it wasn't super culty I just didn't focus mine was just more secret society yours was very minimalistically culty yeah mine said the word cult a lot but it didn't really deliver I think it's on interesting because i i felt like mine was more culty and it, and it never said the word cult i'd agree with that yeah that is interesting gotta read between the lines boys and girls yeah secret society equals cult i mean i feel like in my head that was always a thing but i don't know i mean it wasn't for me but now it is now that you oh now that you've yeah. talked about it and presented your case i'm like yeah i could well yeah that like it wasn't even like a case for me it was like you brought up last week, oh, like a cult. And I was like, oh, a secret society is a cult. Mm-hmm. So that's just interesting that yeah. you didn't think that. But I immediately was like, that's a cult. That was really interesting. I remember. You took the literal sense. Yeah, I took yeah. a very literal. You took the literal in the synopsis, the word cult. And I was like, a secret society. That's a cult. Yeah, yeah. I probably would have needed the word cult in the book, in the synopsis or like people's reviews in order to pick up a book. But now I feel like I would extend that further. Um, but yeah. Don't what- judge a book by its synopsis. True. Okay. Well, stay tuned for next week. I think we're going to have a, a great episode lined up for you guys. Can't wait. Thanks for tuning in for this one. Yes, you should definitely read The Atlas Six. Hit or miss with truth be told, but you know, you do you. All right. Love you guys as friends. Love you as lovers. Bye. Bye.